0: When we started, this was about making sure the house was wired properly, turning off electricity, especially at night, to bedrooms. And now we're dealing with much, much more with what's coming in from the outside and with re-educating people because we're a wireless culture. And wireless is all around us. Even with our best efforts, um, it's pretty hard to find appliances that are not smart. Now, we want a dumb house and smart occupants.
1: Greetings and love, beautiful humans. It's Ben Hardy, co-host of the Terrain Theory Podcast. Are you getting into the holiday spirit? Hey, listen, we have a special Christmas episode coming up next week, which I think you're going to enjoy. But first, Brother Mike and I brought on Paula Baker-Laporte to talk home health. You know, was the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring because they'd all died from the off-gassing of toxic chemicals used during construction. You'll recall in our conversation with Michael Rubino, an indoor air quality expert, we touched on home construction and how it can result in mold and health issues down the road. It got us thinking more about our homes, especially since we spend so much time in them. So here's the story. Paula is the founder of EcoNest Architecture and author of the well-known book Prescriptions for a Healthy Home, now in its fourth edition. She has literally written the book on how to build and maintain a healthy home. Everything from the layout to the materials used to the way it's wired and more. And the good news is, for everyone out there living in an existing home, much of what Paula shares on this episode can be applied to you and your home right now. Home is where the health is, or should be, or will be after this. Welcome back to Terrain Theory. Okay, we are live. Paula Baker-Laporte, welcome to the Terrain Theory Podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ben.
1: It's wonderful to have you here. We want to know, how did Econest come to be?
0: Well, Econest is the name of our architectural firm, formerly the name of our architectural and building firm. Well, my, my husband was building. Now, Econest Company is his workshop site, and Econest Architecture is our architecture and consulting site. How it came to being, the name, um, was how I came into being as an Econest person was I got sick from a building. And as an architect, I had no training even in the idea that a building could affect our health, which was typical of architectural education back in the early 80s, in the 70s. And it's still fairly typical now. A little bit of health information seeping in there. So I learned, um, I got sick. I went through a long journey of getting better. And along the way, I studied something called building biology or biobiology, And it was about building with nature. And I was living in Santa Fe, where we already had natural materials that were revered, like adobe unlike the rest of the country. And so that was a good background, but I um, then read an article about this guy called Robert Laporte, and he was teaching workshops on how to build using these building biology principles. I went to a workshop, we joined forces, and that's how EcoNest was formed. It's a combination of ecological building and building like the birds and nest. We always say birds, you know, they don't build more than they need. They build out of the materials in a small radius. They raise sometimes several generations. And when the home is finished, it falls to the ground and becomes fertility for the next generation, living within the cycle of nature.
1: That's a beautiful vision and a beautiful inspiration for the name of the company. I'd love to know, when you say you got sick from a building, can mm-hmm. you go into that a little bit?
0: Sure. Um I moved to New Mexico from Toronto, and I moved into a brand new mobile home. That was what was available on the site I was living in, and I had I began to get pneumonia. Next year, I got double pneumonia. I got pleurisy, just all of these lung ailments, and I walked around feeling a little worse for about 10 years until my doctor who had been trying to treat me with natural means, everything she could figure out, nothing was working, became sensitive from a building she was working in because they pesticided it every month. And one of her patients told her about um, chemical sensitivity. She had also, as a doctor, never been trained in this in, in those early days. And so together, we were in the middle of doing her house. She said, Paula, we're gonna have to do this one differently I was kicking and screaming. I was an architect. I was interested in aesthetics and not so much in materials at that time. And we did it. And we did her house differently. And then we started to get, this is before internet, we started to get calls from all over the country from people who were suffering from their spaces. And so we said, let's write a book. Hmm. And and, uh, at that point, I did it mostly so My work wouldn't be interrupted by phone calls all the time. And then that book became, it's now in its fourth edition, called Prescriptions for a Healthy House, where we, uh, along with uh, co-author John Banta, who's a mold expert, we've just increased learning over the last 25 years that it's been in print, and we uh, the book keeps getting bigger.
1: Paula, I wonder... Can you walk us through the steps of building a conventional home and tell us which steps or aspects are not conducive to the health of the occupants?
0: Yes. So let's look at the three things that cause ill health, the three major things that cause ill health indoors. Chemicals, mold, and electromagnetics. So we need to address each of them. So what do we do conventionally that's not... um, conducive to chemical health. Uh, We attach garages and car fumes get into the house. Mm. For people who are very sensitive and have that hypersense of smell, you can walk into a house blindfolded and tell the owner if there's an attached garage. Um, uh, We use chemicals, hidden and not hidden. Now, in the early days, it was hard to find chemical-free substitutes. Now they exist for every aspect of the home. And we also have greenwashing. So even if a product says zero VOC, that's a great start. But it can still uh, have SVOCs. It can still have things that are not listed in their ingredients. uh, And it can still outgas while it's curing, which for someone who's sensitive is bad. So minding everything that goes into the house doing a detached garage if you can, or if you're, you know, we often do consulting where that's non-negotiable and then we do our best to seal the garage off, to ventilate it properly, to take care of the pressurization and filtration in the house, et cetera. Um, We pay attention to uh, the building biology ideal would be a home that didn't need mechanical systems, but, um, In much of North America, that's not a reality, and in conventional building, that's not a reality. So we pay a lot of attention to what goes into the mechanical system, where it is located, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a bit about chemicals. What are the, where do we find mold? Uh, It's ubiquitous. I don't know if you've had patients or seen people who have mold illness, but some of the best breeding grounds are basements and crawl spaces. Unconditioned attics, um, and then buildings that are badly detailed, so paying attention to all of that. And uh, electromagnetics, again, when we started, this was about making sure the house was wired properly, uh, turning off electricity, especially at night, to bedrooms, and now we're dealing with much, much more with what's coming in from the outside. And with re-educating people, because we're a wireless culture, and wireless is all around us, even with our best efforts, um, it's pretty hard to find appliances that are not smart. Now, we want a dumb house and smart occupants. (laughs) So those are the three broad areas that we tackle with a conventional home.
1: And it sounds like much of that then can be addressed in, well, first material, because you're talking about an attached versus a detached garage, um, but then materials. So, material choice is going to have a, a very large impact on the health or ill health of the occupants.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. And that is now the easy part.
1: Yeah. And I, w- so before we dive into like some of those materials and the substitutes, uh, what about though the process of building a home are there ways to address like f- the framing pouring of the foundation the finish work um, that can mitigate some of the like the, the you know the mold growth subsequent mold growth uh, or or you know, that will have an effect one way or the other on the occupant down the road?
0: Of course uh, there's better ways to build conventional building and uh, building science, that's what their mission has mostly been in this country, especially is about doing conventional building better. So, um, you know, when we work from scratch, we don't do basements, we don't do crawl spaces, but the the conventional home usually has those. So building science has a lot of guidelines about how to do it better. Uh, Buildingscience.com, Joe Stieberg's work, John Straub's work, and many, many other great building scientists around the country who've also become more sophisticated about uh, analyzing an envelope before it's ever built and seeing where condensation points might be. So we love love it when our clients work hand in hand with a building scientist as well.
1: Let's dive in on the, the EMR, the electromagnetic radiation, mm-hmm. and learn a little bit more about what ways in your design of an eco-nest or this health-optimized home, you're addressing that?
0: Okay, so let's assume a site that's not being bombarded, first of all, because if your site is being bombarded, the mass walls, which is what eco-nest walls are, will help somewhat. But as the waves get shorter and shorter, they penetrate more and more materials. And so again, we will work Uh, We know what to do on the inside of the house to have it wired properly. And that's still a lot of that is following code. And some of it um, is is add-ons to conventional code. But if it's being bombarded, uh, then it needs to be shielded. Now, if you're shielding a house, you also have to have educated homeowners. Because if their house is shielded, but they're using wireless devices inside... They're not going to get good reception, number one. And number two, things are going to bounce around more. So it's uh, it's too bad that we have to create bunkers to live in. Because bunkers, you know, there's such a thing as bunker illness too. But things, uh, again, people are getting more and more sophisticated with shielding. Now, at our end, since we're also concerned about mold, we have to make sure that nothing that's being done to shield the home is... Prohibiting or um, inhibiting the flow of moisture, so we get trapped moisture and mold. So, you know, we so it's it's really a holistic uh, science to putting it all together, called building biology.
2: I, I'm not super well versed in this topic, although I find it fascinating, and I keep reflecting on my own experience, which is we just had an addition put on our house just a few years ago, right before I dove headfirst into this whole terrain theory world. And is is it just as simple as people in, in terms of like contractors and builders are just doing what they know, what's the cheapest, what's the most convenient in terms of like the spray foams and just like this is industry standards. And so they just, I didn't know enough at the time to like start to ask questions about alternatives, but is, is that is it really just what the bottom line is and people trying to get the most bang for their buck when they take these projects on?
0: Yes. It's as yeah, simple I mean, as you that. hit the nail yeah. on, the, on the head. Uh, a lot of uh, the building science world thinks spray foam is the best thing since mother's milk. Um, <laughs> and um, we don't agree.
2: Right. And so what sort of alternatives do you use for insulation, for example?
0: Oh, there are many, many. Um, if we're doing exterior insulation, There are actually wood fiber insulation products that are uh, wax impregnated so they don't take on moisture. There's um, foamed glass, which is actually recycled glass that's foamed up to make a sheet good. Mm. Um, There's wool insulation. There's safer fiberglass insulations. There's um, mineral wool insulation. So all of these are readily available.
2: Um, is, is there
0: is there a considerable price increase when you go that route it depends what you're trying to do yeah. um you know the ins- insulation itself is fairly inexpensive you know the yeah. kind you put in the wall um the kind of board you put on the outside to tell you the truth foam is not cheap either sure so um the the goal of of putting foam on the outside of a building of stopping thermal bridging etc is is a worthy goal. But uh, as building biologists, when we design our own buildings, our goal is to make a wall that's um, robust enough that it can be transparent to, to vapor without requiring plastic sheeting. Because whenever you put up a piece of plastic sheeting and there's an error or the science wasn't quite figured out properly, you, you're also putting in a moisture trap. It's like a double-edged sword
2: yeah so and have you seen hemp making any sort of resurgence in in the infla- insulation or building s- space
0: yes we have recently witnessed a, a hemp creed or hemp lime building going up next to us and um, we were very interested uh though the original Equinest buildings were clay and straw and we were pioneers of that my husband was i helped write the code to get it into the international residential building code and we've written a couple books on that method, and the lime uh, methods using lime and hemp hurd. Uh, it's it's a sweet system, and so I think we're going to see a lot of. Uh, it's a new surgeons really because uh, all people did in the '60s was smoke it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't a recycled building product back then. I know, so I've been screaming that thing. from
2: the rooftops. It's like this this plant is in so many ways it, it it can it can remediate issues in so many different industries so i'm glad to see that it's having a resurgence in your industry and in the emf mitigation sometimes i forget that beyond just wireless like this this sort of the the most recent wave of emf which is so ubiquitous just the the electric system of a home itself puts off a certain amount of radiation. And so when you're designing that, uh, I mean, I've I've heard of people who shut the, they, they flip the breaker to their bedroom at night and stuff like that. But like how, can you speak more about like the depth of just putting wireless aside, just making sure the home is well grounded. How do you approach that?
0: Yeah. So first of all, in terms of occupant use of wireless, if we hardwire ethernet connections all over and educate the owner then we don't have all the wireless devices of their own devices yeah um one big thing believe it or not is just to make sure there's no code errors uh because and to, the only way you can tell if the home is delivered error free is to measure because you can have a perfectly wired home and a nail can get driven through yeah. a wire and then you'll have a, a um, big source of magnetic fields. So we're looking at magnetic fields and electric fields, which are two different fields at the, at the uh, household level, at the, that 60 hertz. Um, and we're looking at something called dirty electricity, or um, there's other more technical names for it. And that's about, you know, if you run sound studio, you would know you need to get rid of all of that to get the purest sound. So it's interference on the line. Where does it come from? Unfortunately, from things that we now need in our homes, variable speed motors, wiring errors, um, and many other things. So um, measuring and mitigating that takes expertise. Um, And, you know, if someone is highly, highly sensitive, and there are people who are this sensitive, we'll put everything in metal conduit because the small amount of electric field affects them. Most people don't feel that, but it's such a simple matter to have a, a switch or a remote control to turn off the electricity to bedrooms at night. Yep. And then simple placement things. You don't put a refrigerator or an aquarium back to back with the bed because the magnetic fields from the motor, anything motorized right. will have a magnetic field, will go right through the wall uh, to that person's headboard usually. So just like whenever you're in a hotel room, I always know I'm back to back with the entertainment center. I don't sleep well, in. In uh, although I'm not highly sensitive, I do not sleep well in hotel rooms.
2: Yeah. So sometimes it's not necessarily – I mean, some of the design stuff is kind of common sense, like you said, like don't put the refrigerator behind, next to your headboard, but also it's just making sure that what's been done has been done correctly and that it's remained mm-hmm. that way. Like So some, mm-hmm. up, some upkeep can go a long
0: way. Yeah, and uh, another simple thing is doing the circuits so that if you choose to – shut off your bedroom which is a wonderful idea yeah. that circuit doesn't have a, a life support like a smoke detector attached right. to it right 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 right
2: and that would but that's the type of thing that you would do on a new construction project like from the ground absolutely, up absolutely yes right. right great thank you Paula in
1: your in your research into emr and in your husband's research into emr what were you discovering about its effects on the occupants
0: most of what I've discovered about effects on the occupants comes from dealing with people or having clients over the years who are highly sensitized. And so that can it can range from migraine headache, brain fog, um, uh, not sleeping well, um, all of those uh, less subtle symptoms to very subtle subtle um, things that you know people who have subtle effects some people say we are all equally affected just some people are more sensitive it's the same i feel that same way about chemicals that yeah. formaldehyde isn't good for any of us to breathe in even if i'm the one who reacts right away um and mo- now going one step further to not having a house that's harming you you know that you ever walked barefoot in nature
1: oh yeah we're big fans
0: and, Yeah, and you're grounding right so imagine being on your house and having an earthen floor in your bedroom mm. and that is on the ground. Um, we have it. I highly recommend it. Uh, earth floors were a tradition in New Mexico, long not in common use anymore, but still the craftsmen existed and um, you, know, you could see them around. And what does that rest-
2: look like? What does that look like? Is it literally just a
0: clay floor or something along those lines? It, it looks beautiful it's um but what it more than looking it feels beautiful so whenever anyone goes into you know I, we always show our house around sure and if anyone's about to enter the bed, bedroom they already have their shoes off i recommend that for every house i ask them to take their socks off too hmm. so they can feel you know there's um so these are the subtleties in nature you know there's nothing that's paved there's nothing that's just flat underfoot. And, and when you have a, a floor that's just subtly softer and undulating, your feet come alive. Because that's what they're, they're designed to do, is um, move around like that. And so we're, we're designed to be in nature. And so that's the promise of um, a new biological home so are our basements out of the picture in a, in
2: a, in one of your designs because it removes you that much more from the actual surface of the earth
0: um, we I'm trying to think if we have designed a home with a basement in the last twenty years and we have not right uh, um and part of that is um uh, you know I have to say in all fairness, if you're living in Toronto or up in northern Canada and you have to go down seven feet to hit the frost line, you've already dug the hole. Um, but in the places I've lived at, you know, people say they want a basement and I ask what for and they say, well, to store our stuff. And, um, you know, simple math will tell you, you can build a storage shed or rent a storage shed or whatever for a fraction of the price. Right. So... It's an easy sell in a in a more moderate climates uh, where I have lived. Yeah. Doesn't mean we don't have winter, but we don't have to go down eight feet. We have to go down two feet. Sure.
1: So your the earth floor in in your home. What is the actual? It's not it's not grass. It's not turf. No, is it? That no, no,
0: no. It's it's a mixture of clay and sand. Okay. Um and um, we don't put any cement in it, but uh, the clay is a binder and the sand is the body. And then, what makes it walkable, washable, vacuum cleanable, uh, move furnitureable? What gives it the hardness is natural oils. So it, um, you know, in the in New Mexico, they used to use ox blood in the old days. But I cannot imagine how long the house would have smelled like a slaughterhouse. And I'm kind of vegan by nature, so that didn't. So we do a vegan. Version. There's uh, there are several practitioners around the country, and I would draw your if anyone's interested in learning more. Claylin C L A Y I N web their website. She has developed it to an art, and she's created actual products you can buy, colors you can put in, finishes you can use. If someone is highly chemically sen- sensitive. Uh, they sometimes react to natural terpenes and etc. cetera. So they'd have to test those materials and see if it's for them. I usually don't put this kind of floor in homes for people who are um, working with deep he- health challenges in that area. Hmm.
1: How else do you have to prepare the house then for a, what, what do you call it? Do you call us a ground of ground floor, nature floor, open floor? What's the phrase that you Earth, use? Yeah, uh, Earth
0: Earth-coupled floor. Earth-coupled um, floor.
1: Yeah, so what, what sort of preparation needs to happen that's different from a conventional build in order to make this uh, a possibility?
0: Well, if you've got a so-called slab on grade, your first stop is the building department to make sure that they're going to allow yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, the, uh, the energy codes are getting tighter and tighter, so most often the solution is to put foam under the whole floor and we have, um, there are several other solutions that we found uh, in our own house. We've used pumice under our earthen floor so that there's still that direct connection. Somewhere in there, there's still got to be a piece of plastic. And I don't object <laughs> to it because it's serving a, a role.
1: And that is just to keep the, the water out.
0: Any ground moisture from coming up. I mean, it's, you know, I've we've worked on renovations in Europe where they don't, of course, they didn't have that. And ground moisture is a constant threat to the building. So, you know.
1: Paula, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded in this conversation that there's so many overlaps between what you're doing in the home building world and much of what we are proselytizing on this podcast, two of those things being grounding. We encourage people to do that every day, uh, as often as they can. And then the avoidance of of EMRs or, or EMFs. It's uh, it's very reassuring to know that you're out there doing what you're doing to sort of start, you know, start people in a good home, and not have to come in and, and fix it all later when it's sort of too late or maybe too expensive. Um, it's really remarkable.
0: Uh, it's. That's why I really wanted to be on your show too. And I have to say there are people who, the Building Biology Institute trains electromagnetic specialists. I'm like a GP when it comes to electromagnetics. And those are the ones you want to get into, inspect, write protocols for, especially for shielding. I always have them check over my general house wiring specs, Uh, finding not smart appliances. They're doing it all the time. We're doing it, you know, every several months. So they're more current. So they are an essential partner with us. We don't do it all. No one can do this all alone.
2: I've heard rumblings of of lead paint coming back into the picture as a EMF mitigation strategy. Is And we were all raised to fear lead and lead paint. And so have you heard anything about this? Does that
0: have any merit to it? I would not use lead paint on, uh, unless I learned a lot more, but there are other solutions. Um, sure. Uh, carbon solutions that don't involve lead—that uh, that I would would be a go-to for me before someone would really have to explain to me why that was not dangerous, <laughs> right. or why a uh, toxin such like that should be concentrated by humans to use in their houses for the bigger environment. Yeah,
2: thank you for. I mean, this is just sort of like scuttlebutt that I've been hearing around the wild internet, as you know. But I'm glad to know you you would explore some alternatives first.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Paula, I'd love to know a little bit about uh, price expense. What is the cost of building a a healthy home or an eco nest? Like, if you were to take, say, a two thousand square foot home conventionally built versus what you would try to do, what's that difference in cost?
0: Okay, so of course, it's not a straightforward question. Um, uh, The first, uh, you know, the parallel question would or part of the answer is how much more would it take would it cost to take care of your health in the way you advocate taking right. care of your health and you always have to weigh in what is the cost to get sick so putting that aside the big big question really right now at this point in history is how much does it cost to build anything um because that's no longer a predictable entity for years it was The second question is: uh, You know, there's only three factors in in size, quality, and cost uh, that you're and that one affects the other. So, what is the quality? If you're building with you know a high-end quality house with all the bells and whistles, let me show you how to trade in that thousand-dollar faucet for another. A three hundred dollar lead free faucet, and use that seven hundred dollars towards something that's really gonna really pay off in your health. And um, my last tool in our toolbox, I used to have. um, Live on a property where our house was in one place, and I had a separate studio in another. Place and people come in, I say, how many square feet do you want? What's your budget? And they want healthy, they want big. They, you know, and, and 3,000 square feet was the magic number. I'd say, okay, well, we've talked about all this stuff. Let's go to my house. And we'd take a little tour and they'd say, how big is this? And I'd say, 1,400 square feet. And they'd say, but we only need one more room than what you've got. And this feels good. You know, because now they've felt what a difference it makes to be in a healthy space. So then suddenly maybe there are 2,000 square feet uh, because we, you know, everything's efficient and um, things don't have to be big to make you happy. Uh, And so suddenly we've got a 1,000 square feet of budget to put into health. Mm. So those are all the magic. I've told you my entire magic box. (laughs) That's it. Um, And then it's expensive to build now. Period. Anything.
1: I guess, the, yeah, the short answer is you either pay now or you pay later in health bills.
0: Yeah. You pay uh, now and receive the benefits every day of your life, too. Because as you know, beyond getting sick, there's healthy and then there's healthy. Correct. And most people, if they knew what it felt like, would rather be in the second <laughs> I definition.
1: I, I think you're right. So if, if, uh, if a person was interested they're going to build a new home and they're interested in uh applying some of what you do or or how you would advise them but maybe they couldn't go whole hog and you had to like prioritize maybe like the top three elements that would have the greatest impact on their health what would those be
0: three yeah Um, yeah are we talking about conventional versus non you know um a more robust, I need a little more to lay, it's very hard to narrow down. But if they were built, they had to build conventionally, no garage, no basement or crawl space, um, and read the book and do all the little things that will cost you nothing.
1: Uh, give me a uh, few of those. Probably. What are the What are the little things that would cost you nothing?
0: Or very little. Healthy material, you know, healthy, if you're going to use a paint, use one of the ones we have listed or or something simpler, Or learn how to vet materials yourself. We also explain that. Um, so use better paint. Use cleanable floor system, floor system. Take off, you know, make a place to take your shoes off. That costs nothing and will save endless amounts of things being tracked into your home. Mm-hmm. Um, I got sidetracked. Can you tell me again what the question was?
1: <laughs> yeah, just if, if you know, if a person had perhaps like limited budget to make all these changes, or just wanted to focus on like the, the you know the top three things that would have the greatest impact on their health, they couldn't go whole hog, but they're willing to apply a few of them. You mentioned don't have a basement, okay? Don't have an attached garage, okay?
0: Make sure you have a good ses- source of air exchange for um, fresh air. Uh, whether that means you have no money for that but you become like a European housewife and open your door doors and windows every day to air it out Mm. or you put in um, a mechanical device that will help with that or 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 you buy an air filter you know so all the degrees make sure your air is good to breathe Mm. and that involves not putting toxins in uh, exchanging air uh, and then you know then there's so many fine points like how many ions are in your air? Uh, that building biology goes into, but is not in the uh, the normal conventional building.
1: You mentioned at the top the the danger or perhaps the prevalence now of greenwashing. So a material says it's low or no VOC, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily healthy. What are some of the what's some of the advice you can give to the listener on identifying or quickly identifying strategies to identify? greenwashing
0: find out what's actually in the material and we we you know that that takes some education and effort to do that but every material has something called an sds sheet safety data sheet and that will tell you part of the picture there are certain certifications out there that are you know if a product has a certain certification if it's green guard gold for schools (coughs) for example you know it's going to be very low in formaldehyde so the learn the certifications um and then uh beyond that become a physician a chemist an architect and (laughs) you'll do just fine you know (laughs) but um if a product ad advertises added antimicrobials to help you be germ safe we won't use it and where does that show up it doesn't show up in the sts sheet because it's such a small amount but manufacturers are proud of that fact it's a selling point. So we read the product literature. Um, yeah. So again, uh, this it, on one level, it's incredibly complex. But on the other level, it's like eat lots of fresh, organic, green foods every day. You know?
1: Yeah. Pretty, pretty simple and straightforward.
0: Mm-hmm. What about
1: existing homes? Like where would you suggest a listener with an existing home take steps to improve like the health impacting conditions of their home?
0: The first thing is to call a house doctor and find out where where the impact is. Could be chemicals, electromagnetics, could be mold somewhere. Uh so take a kind of um take a baseline uh uh blood pressure and temperature of the house um and see what you get. You know, house could be very high in something like semi-volatile organic compounds which aren't regulated and which you're finding now in every house. So something that's VOC free for example can uh, still have Semi-volatiles, which things like fire retardants, which most people don't have overt reactions, but we swallow them. You know, they have dust lands on food. We touch surfaces. We, you know, kids, especially kids, they're playing on the floor. They're sticking their fingers in their mouth. They're sucking on toys, um, and these have long-term cumulative health effects, and they're forever until you get them out. Um, so um i got sidetracked again
1: no you mentioned call call a house doctor so this is (laughs) call a house
0: doctor get a pulse on what your house is and then do triage first so take care if there are overt problems in the air electrical or error electrical quality take care of those first where do you Uh, locate a house doctor Uh, Well, the building biology site is where I always go. When someone calls me from another part of the country, there's a find an expert page on there Mm -hmm. and you can see who's in, you know, there aren't enough to go around. So often, uh, you know, if someone's calling from LA, they're lucky. If someone's calling from um, backwoods of Tennessee, they're in trouble finding someone without importing them.
2: Right. It's, it's so funny. Just it, just to state the obvious that we're still up against so much of so many chemicals that are just ubiquitous in our homes, even, even despite very aware people's best efforts. It's just such a uphill battle. It's amazing yeah. that we're, we're still faced with, with like you said, the children's toys or the, the fire retardants. They're just part of business as usual.
0: And, yeah. It's no, no more astounding than um, some of the pharmaceuticals that, you know, um. She, all of it has its place. So I don't want to be disrespectful, but when you read the side, you know, I, have um, it, it's so ubiquitous when I became 65 and got in the Medicare system, uh, I filled out my paperwork and handed it into the front desk. And they said, Oh, wait a minute, you forgot a page. There's nothing filled out. And it was the page where you list all your medications. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not on any. And they said, you're kidding. You know that. So you've got this. We well, we all share the same uphill battle that the, you know, we live in an age where if you want the information it's there. Right. So that's, that's the beauty. And I, I wish everyone knew they could have this. So thank you for, uh, for letting me spread my word to your audience. I, I really appreciate it. It's yeah. so
2: important. and it, And so much of it is, is empowering because it's, it's do the due diligence, you know, buy the books that are necessary, that have the resources and, and just, and it, it's just hours out of your day, but it's it's only will reap rewards. I and mean, that's what we found doing this podcast. It's it's just due diligence. Hmm. Well, Paula, speaking of your
1: health, let's ask the question that we ask uh, all our guests. What are your non-negotiables, the daily habits that you do to tend to your terrain?
0: Thank you. Um yes. For myself, there's two um, two things that are, well, three things that are key. Uh, living in a house that nurt- nurtures me, eating a, a diet that nurtures me. I grow a lot of my own food all summer and exercise. So for me, that's what keeps me as healthy as I am.
1: Yeah, the, the, the concept of a house that nurtures you. I don't think that's one that I've ever pondered, but it makes such perfect sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm it's mm-hmm. not just shelter right it's not just a roof of your house you want that home to nurture you
2: mm-hmm. yeah. before we before we wrap up I, I did wonder about when you're designing how much does um like sacred geometry or just like non right angle non-square spaces come into the design have you you start to implement so to speak outside of the box in, in that regard
0: well I've always had a great interest in the various um... Sacred systems of design. I, I've uh, learned um, both Vastu and uh, biogeometry at a, at a bit of a deeper level. They all contradict one another, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, Vastu is very much based on very perci- on the cube as the sacred shape, and very much based on <laughs> um, customized. Um, It's very, uh, very strong mathematical geometrical system based on uh, the moment of birth of the female head of household. So that's how detailed that one gets. I have had the privilege of working with Feng Shui practitioners from, and there are different schools with different solutions. And biogeometry is an Egyptian system that's current now that teaches you how to measure space. So I've had that privilege, too. The founder of biogeometry was kind enough, uh, Ibrahim Karim, wrote a very beautiful essay in my book. Throughout the book, I have essays by specialists in the various fields, electromagnetics, um, in his case, biogeometry, building science. So you can get a taste of that.
1: What's your personal opinion on it?
0: Mm. Well, we live in a vastu home. That because my husband was building it, we could build to the 16th of an inch that it requires. I don't uh, do that as a a profession because most it's not accessible to most people in this country. In India, it's kind of second nature. Um, And life is good. Uh, But I would say, above all else, for me, applying the principles when I, when we Robert and I built our first house together. 26, 27 years ago, we simply applied the principles of building biology, and then the feel of that house was like nothing I had ever experienced, maybe in Europe and being old in old earthen, older earthen or stone buildings. But then that's when I um, I took on an interest of teaching building biology, because I had to go back and rethink those principles in a new way because they were working and I didn't understand why. But (laughs) Excuse me. But if you build with natural materials, you will have a balance of, you know, so many subtle things, um, acoustics, humidity, uh, the subtle electroclimate, so the DC electroclimate, the amount of ionization in the air. You'll have um, color as it is in nature, not as a monotonous, thing that we put in our houses like I can explain that if you look in your background Mike we I don't can the audience see Mike's mm-hmm. background in your background you have some wood and if you look at that wood it's not one monotonous color it does what nature does you've you brought nature into your home it has knots it has various hues it has various colors and if you haven't sealed it with varnish or something that makes it plastic you'll have some breathability, so it will take on humidity. You'll never get a, a shock touching it because it um, balances ionization, whereas you would probably if you touch some of your uh, metal objects. And then look at the paint above it. It's uh, it's an exercise in monotony, visual monotony. And humans are not designed for visual, audio, taste, any kind of monotony. And... Um, it, now, contrast that, and maybe you can see, maybe you can. It's pretty subtle. The walls behind me are natural clay plaster, and they have um, uh, mica in them. So there's lots of hues, and um, I don't know if I can turn the camera on it. but um, So there's a whole different thing going on. It's sorptive of sound. It's sorptive of moisture, and it won't um, accumulate. Or cause mold. It helps prevent mold because it takes on moisture and gives it off. It just works with the climate. So um, that uh, for me, applying those principles to a space. Of course, you want good architecture. You want, uh, but many of the principles go into the basis of good architecture. You like, you don't just want light coming from one direction because then you have glare, and glare is not. Uh, uh, it can be found in bad situations in nature, but not in um, benign ones. So on and on and on and on. I I could talk for days, but I know.
2: Well, it's it's great. <laughs> it it sound, as I hear you, um, you know, expound on your expertise. It it sounds like there's there's an awful lot of what I would call permaculture principles involved in what in your work, and yes. which is and really what is permaculture principles, but it's it's just the common sense approach to doing something. So thank you for championing and getting us back to back to basics.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Paula, final question. Where's the best place for the listener to learn more about you and your work?
0: Well, we have a website, equinestarchitecture.com And uh, the book is widely available you know it's on Amazon and we sell it on our website along with our other econest books if this podcast broadcasts before christmas we have a christmas special for getting those books on the site now um amazon sometimes puts it on sale and it's in kindle if you you know it's a big book so it's ex- kind of expensive but the kindle version is very uh, attainable to anyone uh if you're in ashland oregon call us up because i want you to come and feel our house um definitely sure you, take you up on that yeah make sure your feet are clean because you'll probably end up with your socks off <laughs>
1: <laughs> noted noted well paula we appreciate all the work that you're doing and we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that work with us and our listeners so thank you for joining us on the Train theory podcast
0: thank you absolutely my pleasure and thank you for the work you're both doing too. It's really appreciated and needed. Thank you. It's an
1: after, after party in the Room. Yeah. Welcome everybody, and welcome, Mike.
2: Oh, what happened, Horsey?
1: Whoop untrusty. that was special.
2: Yeah. I feel totally dumb for, <laughs> I mean, I also, as, as you guys know, often fly blind heading into an episode, but I wish I did a little bit more homework because I feel like I, I, I didn't do her justice with her expertise and uh, willingness to share her, her gifts with us.
1: Nonsense, Michael. You were possible, Mike, through and through. <laughs>
2: well you know you bring your but
1: we bring our life experiences to these conversations so so even absent research we have at least our life experiences to draw on and put before the the guest and say hey what can you make of this
2: yeah absolutely it's funny because we live in a, a an old house and we have such attachment to like the nostalgia and the charm of like an old you know anything old and uh but it it's starting to like become more hard to avoid like the, the many health problems inherent in an old house.
1: And it really, it's ground zero.
2: It's ground zero. It's like you said, we spend 90% of our time. We have to work hard to get ourselves outdoors. We're just, we're inside. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I, I'm still, I'm still, I'm smitten first and foremost, but the fact that, grounding and we just talked to Joshua Greenfield and joked with him about pulling up his floorboard so he could just be standing on the earth in his home. Hey. And here we are. Like this is a you know, this is a real thing. I mean of course it's a real thing and there are homes out there, but but there's a way to do it and do it in a way that maintains the health of the home and the integrity of the home and doesn't allow groundwater to seep up yeah. and still remain grounded. Yeah. And that's like that it. is
2: that's living the dream right there.
1: That is living the dream. So you have all your, your you know, you, either you have a house that's just simply one story, or all those important rooms where you're spending so much of your time on the ground floor. So you get up in the morning and you're putting your feet on basically the bare ground.
2: Uh, and imagine! You, I love that she asks her guests to take her sock their socks off. That is just the best.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the concept too, just. taking things like 10 steps further to this isn't just about like meeting your basic needs but a home needs to nurture you and and it's all wrapped up no pun intended in the name of their company eco nest you know what does a nest do for those baby birds like it's there to nurture them it's where they're growing and that's what you should continue to do in your home right
2: and for generation after generation and then when it's reached its end. It just gets recycled. I mean, God, it's just so simple.
1: And it's all, it, it's so Quinian, too, isn't it? Yes. The very, like the very concept of the eco nest and everything that she's doing in the world of building, you look at beyond civilization and Quinn saying, well, I don't have all the answers, but it humans are humans are very clever and they're going to figure this out. We're very good at solving problems and we're going to figure it out. And the egoness, the, the concept that she's imparting into the the world of home construction are so Quinnian and so aligned with this like new vision for yeah. the next civilization.
2: I forget if I mentioned this on an earlier episode, but since you brought up Quinn, uh, one of my favorite, uh, just passages of his is he was asked to write a forward for a book, maybe back in the eighties or nineties. Um, and I, you know, when you're in the writing field, I think you get asked that a lot when you're someone of some repute, right? Would you write a forward for my book? Um, and so he sort of put it off and put it off. Then he finally read the book and the book was an early book about permaculture. Um, it was called like eco villages and something else, some, some sort of byline. And then he realized, <laughs> cause he said, yeah, you know, I've, I've said for years and years and years, I don't know how people will be living in a hundred years. But what I can tell you is they won't be living like we're living now. Yeah. But now I can tell you, I do know how they'll be living. They'll be living like the people in this book. Yes. <laughs> and that's, it's the permaculture principle. Yes. It's just the common sense, natural, nurturing, working with the elements, uh, way of, of setting up life.
1: And now, just apply it to every aspect, the home you live in, the buildings yeah. your the way that you take care of yourself,
2: yeah, uh, and right. I've been thinking about my permaculture design as like what happens outside my house, but like it should apply to what happens inside my house, duh,
1: yeah, first and foremost,
2: yeah, um, first and foremost
1: folks, there was a funny moment after we stopped recording where paula asked is it is it true that uh was it Pasteur's last like dying words were Uh, and then yeah i I happen to be wearing the very shirt that we have on the website Uh, pastor's (laughs) final words alleged final like deathbed words the germ is nothing the terrain is everything uh so wow she is she is in this terrain space and maybe didn't even know it by name or wearing her space (laughs) yeah
2: well she's a space designer um I like the the way she phrased it though when she was just ad libbing the pastor quote well, was uh didn't he say something like it's it's all the field it's yes. all in the field it's
1: all the field yeah
2: which is sort of cool cuz it it the the field can mean a lot of different things right we can tend to think of it as as sort of like the energetic field or maybe we think of it as just like running through the grassy field but it it sort of encapsulates it all it certainly encapsulates all the terrain
1: it is beautiful Maybe yeah. we should adopt it. Yeah, the field. We, we can rewrite history. No, actually, this is what Pastor said.
2: Yeah. It's all in to the same. We'll just put it in French and it'll, <laughs> no one will second
1: guess us. Um, I, th- I do think there's something funny about calling a house doctor. Yeah, you know, we spend so much. <laughs> we spend so much time, like, not maligning doctors at all, not at all. We have uh, massive. They need spend. a rebrand. They, yeah, they possibly need a rebrand, <laughs> but at a time when we're saying you are your primary healthcare provider, right. the next, yep. the next piece of advice is well, call a house doctor and. I think because there's so much learning to be done, I mean, I think there's a lot of intuition that comes into play when you're dealing with yourself and your own health. And so we, when we say like you are your primary healthcare provider, okay, let's just talk, you know, listen to yourself, gut gut instinct, intuition. But when it comes to this, so many of the details and nuance around indoor air quality or indoor health, home health, I think maybe in this regard, yeah, like you should be learning more about it but also maybe call a house doctor
2: it also sounds like a, a, an opportunity for folks out there of, of uh, a field you might want to get into because it sounds like the supply and demand is is would be on your side
1: yeah agreed um, so that's gonna be definitely a step for me to take is uh, get a get a house doctor in because my house is is fairly old and it's a little unique mm-hmm. and um, you know, I don't she she did say that Sometimes those details can be missed—the uh, detailing of a of a new home construction—and I imagine there's a there's a bit of that going on in my house. So, but it also, it's also—it's also just you don't want to be living ignorant.
2: I also like to remind ourselves that just opening the goddamn windows <laughs> can be a big deal.
1: Yeah, get some fresh air in there.
2: Yeah. Um, what uh,
1: what steps are you going to take? Do you have anything in mind? Because I know there's one immediate one for me, and one that I don't do, but shutting off the circuit breaker to my bedroom.
2: Yeah, I know. I'd like to crack that code too. I don't think it's that complicated. We just had the addition put on and the addition is our bedroom. And so I, I think because of that, there's probably a specific breaker that goes to the addition. Yeah,
1: separate circuit. Uh,
2: so I'm going to look into that. It's funny. It did make me think, you know, I I grounded our bed, right? I ran some. I wrapped some copper around our mattress and ran the, the copper uh, out, out the window and hammered in a pipe and blah 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 you guys have heard me talk about that but i also failed to realize like it's so stupid that like uh when we bought a new mattress a few years ago it came with a free like adjustable base right so you can like turn your bed into like a, a lazy boy you know to... but that's fucking plugged in yeah. it's like yeah like duh, like maybe <laughs> we don't we don't never i think we used it like a couple times when it was brand new because it was a novelty I have not used it since Pl- i gotta unplug that my my bed is plugged in there's a motor is what I didn't even, I failed to realize. Unbelievable, Michael. It's like stupid shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, my bed's grounded. No, it's not. You're sleeping on a you're motor. Actually, you're pl- it's
1: like the reverse. You're plugged in. Yeah, I'm plugged in. Uh, was there ever a time <laughs> in your life where you had a TV in your bedroom?
0: Hmm.
2: I don't probably when I was a kid, maybe like I had a little hand me down, like six inch screen or something for a season or something, but not, not really. Yeah. TV was always sort of relegated to like the basement or the living room or something. Like that. But yeah, of course in the age of the, the laptop, I guess all bets uh, are off.
1: It's, yeah, it's true. Uh, it amazes me to, to know that there are still folks out there who might watch TV, like in bed, like the final thing that they're doing, or even the thing that they think is putting them to sleep is, yeah. is a television show. And it's, uh, Yeah, a little bananas, but, you know, to each their own.
2: Yeah. In fact, again, with the new construction in the bedroom, there was one of the designs had it so that we could mount like a TV on the wall opposite the bed. And there was an outlet put like halfway up the wall for that purpose, which... (laughs) Uh, has not been used for that purpose, but it is interesting that 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 was part of like the original designer's concept. Like surely they're going to want a, a six foot TV on this massive wall. Yeah,
1: you two are like the last people who would probably want that.
2: No, there's a, a massive bookshelf there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Possible, Mike.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. What Our, about you? What 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 were some of? Maybe you already mentioned, but what were some of the?
1: Well, I, I I recall I recall uh, Sarah Kleiner, the uh, Carnival yeah. Yogi, and she was she was on. This is what she's been doing for a long time. I mean, she had like EMF blocking paint on her walls. Yeah. And was all over turning off the circuit. You know, the circuits at night. Exactly. As she's you know she's living this. Um, but this is just you know this is again, this is just root cause like let's let's get there at the very beginning.
2: I'm glad I asked that question about lead paint because that, that's just one of those like things you see on Instagram and it's sort of like in the conspiratorial like that's you know they made us all fear lead paint, but really it's our savior should you know we should be using it because they saw the e m f thing coming and they wanted us to get it's like fuck, she's like there's twenty other things that you can use to. to do the same job it's like it doesn't have to be we get like very hyper focused on the on the conspiratorial elements of and there's you know doesn't all come back to the lead paint conspiracy yeah we don't have glad to to get to quash that one you you
1: don't have to do like the opposite of everything exactly exactly
2: because
1: we've been taking a lot of steps in just weird directions not even backwards (laughs) just like what are we doing (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah, yeah 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 um, well, folks, nothing you heard here should be taken as medical advice. Neither Mike nor I are medical experts. Remember that you are light, you are love, you are not designed for monotony, and you are your primary <laughs> healthcare provider. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.